0: This is Kay Rashad, and you are listening to the Art Sob Podcast. This is the podcast where I interview people I love about whatever the hell I want. In this podcast, I'm determined to get to the bottom of some things like what's it like to be an escort? Will my partner Finn love me forever? And do white people wash their legs? Let's start the show. Today, I am talking to Andrea Russos, who is an Instagram artist and a regular artist. <laughs> She's an artist, folks. She's a really incredibly talented artist. She's a mom. She's a now local Hawaiian, but wasn't always a Hawaiian. And she is an activist and an incredibly smart, witty, shrewd satirist, I'd say. And my friend, hi, Andrea. Hey, Kay. How are you, girl? show. <laughs> I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing good. Did I miss anything? How would you introduce yourself? No, I, I think that was really great and
1: um, really flattering. Thank you. I would just like to clarify. Um, that I am not Hawaiian by blood and I right. am a settler mm-hmm. um and there's a lot of complications that goes along with that I just like to make that clear to everybody that I am not Hawaiian I am a I am a a settler here yes and um yeah <laughs> um so
0: just so we um can refer to you properly what are your pronouns and identifiers lady
1: So I am a white queer cisgendered Mm -hmm. woman. Um, I go by she/her. They/them is also fine. Okay. Um, uh, Yeah. All right. That's
0: it. Good. Mm -hmm. And um, what you drinking?
1: Right now I'm drinking some decaf coffee. I'm trying to cut down my caffeine.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. I can't say the same. I'm having some regular ass coffee, vanilla flavored coffee. Okay. Um yeah. Um <laughs> I I got one of those Keurigs, but one of the um the one cup ones cuz it's it's cheap, cheaper. It's like yeah. $39. Um and it's it's called a Keurig Mini or something. And uh, it's just it's so that I don't use the K-cups all the time. Well, I got the uh, reusable K-cup anyway. You I know, can... that's cool they have that now, huh? Yeah, so you don't yeah. have to spend all that money, you know, getting those K-cups. Anyway, oh, so it's just vanilla <laughs> coffee. But you, are you eating anything right now? Because I'm eating. Your, it's breakfast time for you,
1: you know, and I lunch time for me. just drink coffee in the morning and then I eat later on. So I'm just doing the coffee right now. That's probably how you stay so trim and thin. <laughs> Maybe, yeah.
0: And keep that amazing body you have.
1: Oh, thank you. Oh, thanks, baby. That's my, my kid in the background.
0: You might hear her from time to time. Yeah. No, that's fine. I to, I'm going to ask you about your kiddo later.
1: Um.
0: Do you know how we met? How did we
1: meet? You know, I was just thinking about that. So I... I forget who like put me on to you originally. I think somebody on Instagram sent me one of your things or something. I forget how I found you, but I know I found you on Instagram and I remember um, you had uh, you had that white fragility cartoon up and some other really fire, you know, commentary and I was like, Ooh, this is
0: this is somebody
1: good and I, um, That's
0: so sweet coming from you because you are, you you have shrewd, fire-ass commentary on shit. It is so good.
1: Thank you so much. I feel like, honestly, we have a lot of the same um, followers. There's a big overlap between me and you. Mm-hmm. And I take that as a, a really big compliment that, you know, you're people like me and vice versa. Yeah. I love so, that um, right? <laughs> Yeah, I I definitely, I found you there, and then I think, yeah, I think I reached out to you, and we just started talking. You were through it at the time, um, you know, with uh, your your personal health and all that, and I think we kind of connected over that, and we just, we started talking and we became friends. Okay, because
0: usually I'm pretty good with remembering how I meet people, but I could not remember how I met you. All I know is that, I just love you to death. I
1: know, it was kind of like a slow build, you know, so you can't really pinpoint one moment where we became friends, but yeah, mm-hmm. this, I feel like i have known you forever at this point. I know. Um, <laughs> so y- you
0: came to, you were saying you're a settler in Hawaii, um, mm-hmm. but you're from Jersey
1: originally? Yeah, I was born in South Jersey. And um, yeah, my my family is is in South Jersey in the Philly Philly area. Yeah,
0: you have a little bit of that accent, which I love.
1: I know it. You know it. When I'm around, um, when I'm around family, it, it comes out more. Out here, I feel like it kind of fades a little bit. But
0: yeah. Well, you have an accent to me anyway, because. It's different than my accent, which I probably have an accent to you. Uh,
1: I know, people say that, and I'm like, I have an accent? You have an accent.
0: Yeah, I'm sure I have an accent to you. My accent probably sounds plain and boring as hell. Um, No, you sound like, really like... (laughs)
1: I'm loving
0: your voice. <laughs> like the, the Pacific Northwest Pacific Northwest accent is just like so flat and so like, blah, it's like very, what's up, I think bro?
2: It's
1: <laughs> Thanks. It's like really, um, it's like what I would want, I would want to listen to you read a book on tape to me. Oh, thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so mundane. Um... But uh, so you you were from Jersey and in Jersey, is that when you were a stripper?
1: Yeah, so I started stripping um, the, the moment I turned 18 and I, I started in South Jersey.
0: Okay, because I started sex texting the moment I turned 18, basically. Yeah. So okay. we have that overlap of sex work when we turned 18 as well. So, right? as okay. So the moment you turned 18, you started stripping, and how long did you do that for?
1: Oh, basically um, my whole life. Okay. <laughs> um, so I, I, I would say that that was like my main, my main gig until I turned like, until I was like 27, and I was living in Philly, and then I got like a, a job, um, Selling like engagement rings and stuff. Okay. And I, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna give up stripping. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this other thing. But then, you know, that job started to suck too. And yeah. Um, I don't know. Long story short, I got, I had like this. Um, I don't know. I just, I just had like an epiphany, and I just wanted to do my life different. And I don't know. I just quit all my jobs. But you, I had a baby, and yeah, it was, I can't really go.
0: You're a super hot girl, so I don't know why you wouldn't strip.
1: Um, and you know, there's no strip clubs on this island, or I probably would have um, done some shifts just to make ends meet. <laughs> right. What?
0: Um. So when you were stripping, so uh, you follow exotic cancer? Um. Yes. Yes. I. I do. I know. I know. Of about them. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like they nail nail it on the head with stripping? You no. Know, so I will
1: say that in under the stripping umbrella, mm-hmm. there are myriad different experiences. It's not like because someone else was a stripper, you automatically have experiences in common with them. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, you know, when I so when you see when I when I see other people's um, commentary, some stuff really hits home, you know, and some stuff I just can't relate to. Right. So I think that the, the experience depends so much on where you strip, um, the the income level of the clientele. Oh, yeah, for sure. That
0: would definitely change things.
1: The demographics of the clubs themselves, you know, yeah. um, there's there's so many there's so many factors that really affect
0: your experience. So, yeah, we have that overlap, too, because I was like sex texting. Um, But I was it was for a British company. So I had to pretend to be an English person.
1: Oh shit. You had to like fake an accent and stuff.
0: Right. So I had (laughs) so I had to like I had like the British slang dictionary up on my computer and had to like like figure out where they were from in the in england and then like look up that town slang and then like oh. i would pretend like i was from there and then use all the slang and, and stuff and they'd be like oh, and sometimes some usually it would work but sometimes they'd be like where are you from you're <laughs> yeah, using different okay. and then i'm like oh i'm from i'm from south of london and they're like oh that's why you're using that word <laughs> Oh my goodness, that is so funny. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it was
1: a lot of extra work, though. I
0: mean, hard enough. (laughs) girl, it was so much work and you had all these photos and you had to send the photos out because it wasn't photos of me. It was photos of all these other models and you had to like catalog all the photos and like know which photos had already been sent out before and then like send new photos it was just oh girl that's that's a lot of paperwork i know it was like an administrative job it was it was too much it was too much for what i was getting paid uh uh-uh it was way 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 too much i was like i quit I, i i quit that um no so then you had the engagement ring job. Did you have, was that fun? Or like, like being involved in people's, you know, they're about to get married and stuff like that?
1: You know, I'll be honest with you. I've always been um, kind of a lower socioeconomic-y type of person. Mm-hmm. And um, I never had like a, uh, a job that I had to like... Look nice for or like be professional for, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I felt like I was like kind of like playing, you know, for, at first it was fun. I was like, Oh, look at me, Miss Professional. I got, you know what I mean? Like you were faking it till for. you were making it kind of thing. Exactly. It was just kind of fun. I felt, but I felt like an imposter the whole fucking time, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I, I feel like I felt like all my coworkers kind of like looked at me like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I always feel judged by people. I don't know if that's in my head or if it's real or what, but. Um, I don't know. I just never felt like I fit in there Aww. and, and, um, honestly, I, I loved stripping and I made great money on it and I don't know. I just wish I would managed my money a little bit better.
0: Oh girl. Don't we all don't yeah. we all though? Um, do you feel like there's that, I had, um, do you know, I leave, exposed
1: yeah. No. Keepin- is that an Instagram handle? yeah
0: no she's an she's an escort Mm -hmm. and i was talking to her about how there's a stereotype about sex workers being party girls do you feel like you kind of fell into that trap when you were sex working
1: so when i was um when i was a stripper you know i i didn't really party at work like i was I'd go to work. I would get my hustle on. I would go home and go to bed. I was like, I was like really chill. Okay. But, yeah. Um, when it came to like uh, dates and stuff, mm-hmm. um, I would, I would definitely partake in in substances just to kind of, I don't know, if I went on a date just stone cold sober, it, it was just hard to, hard to get into it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, hard to make it seem like I wanted to be there. <laughs> hard to. Yeah. And so, so definitely, um, definitely not as much the stripping aspect of it, but the actual sex work of it. I definitely, um, I definitely would party just to kind of. Um,
0: yeah, I completely get that. 50s. Yeah. Cause I leave like straight edge. She's like, doesn't drink, doesn't do drugs, doesn't do anything, which is like, blows my mind. I don't, I don't know how she does ah.
1: it. I know a lot of sex workers that that have those um, parameters set for themselves, and honestly, those sex workers are the ones that, um, th- in my personal experience, handle shit the best. Yeah. Like they, yeah. You Know they stack the money. It's all business. It's you know they are clear on their boundaries and what they're doing. I think I think that's really smart. I definitely didn't do it like that myself. I got into drugs big time and was all fucked up for many years. Yeah. But, I mean, God bless them, but that—that's hard to do. Sex work
0: takes a lot out of you. I mean, you're giving a lot of yourself, and it's a lot of energy. And I think that people don't understand like how much energy it takes out of you. It's like you're one part therapist, you're one part um, energy worker, you're one like you were you were exchanging so much energy with the other person. It's like, good lord. You you feel like you are exhausting yourself with just dealing with another person like that, in that, in that capacity. So, you, so you stopped stripping, and then when, when
1: did you move to Hawaii? So, the timeline was, yeah, I was stripped mostly on the East Coast, New Jersey and Philly. Yep. Um... I got the job in Philly, so I was, they were overlapping, and then until the job started to be, the engagement ring thing started to be too much, Um, then I quit stripping, and then shortly after that, I started eating mushrooms a lot, psilocybin mushrooms, (laughs) and and I was like, damn, this engagement ring job is not for me, it's unethical on so many levels, Um, I feel like I'm just kind of hustling people, but in a more bullshit kind of way.
0: That's, Um, um, I mean... I met my partner on Mushrooms, so... I mean, I was not on Mushrooms, he was on Mushrooms. Um,
1: okay. So,
0: I know how that goes, girl. <laughs>
1: yeah, I had sort of, like, I don't know, an existential conflict and um, a moral conflict and just about how I was living and stuff. And then, um, and then I was like, you know, fuck it, I don't want to live in this fucked up, you know, capitalist police state anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, I... I moved to Hawaii with nothing. You know, I didn't really have any money saved or anything. And honestly, when I was eating all those mushrooms, I was just giving, giving a lot of money away. I was like, fuck money, it means nothing. And I, I don't know. I was just trying to have not an attachment to it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I didn't have any money saved when I came out here. And I didn't realize all that went into um, the settler colonialism aspect of Hawaii right now. Mm-hmm. And I moved here just totally selfishly, just being like, oh, I just want to escape the fucking bullshit of the mainland, you know what I mean? Right. And, uh, Which I'm sure is
0: the mentality of a lot of white people that move to Hawaii, right? Uh, am I
1: correct? Oh, totally. There are so many white people out here for their own reasons. You know, they want to be off-gridders, or they want, you know, just, they want to have a big farm. Or, I don't know, everybody has their different reasons for coming to Hawai'i Islands, and the rest of the islands, you know, there's myriad reasons, too. But that's why I like to, um, I like to really own my mistake in that I came out here completely selfishly. Right. And since I've been here, I've um, made connections with a lot of uh, Hawaiians. My daughter goes to Hawaiian immersion school, um, and I've learned so much uh, through through just being here and observing, and and talking to actual Hawaiians about their struggles for for sovereignty, their struggles against this tourism economy that's been imposed upon them. Um, and against the, the settler colonialism imposed by people like me, to be honest with you, um, when when you move, when you move to Hawaii, and um, you bring, you know, your own your own motives and your own culture and your own whatever, it's it's a it, you're contributing to a slow genocide, you know. Right. And um, so now that I'm here, and things are as they are. I just, I'm doing my best to be really politically active here um, on behalf of Native Hawaiian interests and um, working with some nonprofit groups, you know, with, you know, my artwork to try and serve in that way. But most of all, I just like to tell people my story because I get a lot of DMs like, oh, how can I move to Hawaii? I want to live in paradise and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, if that's your reason, don't fucking come here. Don't come to Hawaii unless you want to be loyal to the sovereign kingdom of Hawaii and mm-hmm. fight for that sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and maybe that might mean working against your own entitlement to be here, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, I don't feel entitled to be here anymore. And it's kind of a weird position I'm in right now. And uh right. trying to walk this line the best I can and to, to, to make the right choices. Right. Art. Okay. Art. How long
0: have you A been doing art? B knew you had a talent for it. Because you're you've been tripping your whole life, you're saying, but why haven't you like when did you start the art page? Why weren't weren't you doing art your entire life instead?
2: Well, I
1: didn't know that I could for one. I thought that I been. Think- I've been plagued with this imposter syndrome my entire fucking life on anything I've ever wanted to do. And Girl. Still, I'm still embarrassed about my fucking Instagram. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, oh, why are these people following me? It's just, I don't know. But anyway, so art, I didn't start doing art until after my kid was born. And um, so Excuse when, me? I was pre- when I was pregnant, I was camping on a beach, trying to save money. I was waitressing camping on the beach to save money for when she was born so I could rent. So I had saved up enough money for a year's worth of rent. So when my kid was born, we were set for that year. And um, then I was like, fuck, what am I going to do after this? I got I to gotta sell something. I got to hustle something. So I started an Instagram and I was just selling, you know, bullshit little embroideries or whatever little bullshit I could make at home. You know what I mean? And um just trying to find some way to eke out some kind of income that, you know, I could, I'm a single mom. I didn't have anybody to help me take care of my kid or, you know, pay for rent or whatever. So that's how I started the Instagram. And then um, as my kid grew, I started to get out of that, like, I don't know, when you, when you first have a kid, you're in like this mom bubble and you're obsessed with the kid, and, blah, blah, blah. and then as they grow, that kind of eases up a little bit. Not that you still aren't obsessed with your kid, but you know what I mean? The mom uh-huh. shit kind of takes a back burner. So I, I started, you know, the stuff I was selling on Instagram, I was like, I'm just not into this, like these embroideries anymore. I just, I feel like I gotta say something. Like I've always been political my whole life. I've always been politically outspoken and, um, mm-hmm. And stuff like that. So honestly, I feel like the art, the cartoons were just a way to get people to listen to my politics, mm-hmm. you know, because if I just like write something, nobody fucking cares. But if you put it in cartoon form, they're like, oh, OK. So I feel like I, I, I started doing that just as a way to, um I don't know, to get people to to pay attention to these political things that I wanted to put out into the world. And um, that's how it started. But I never, I haven't, you know, I never knew that I could do art. I still don't think I can do art. You know I mean? What
0: do you mean, girl? You you have an eye for what people look like. Like, how can you look at a picture and do it
1: so well? Well, that see, that's the thing. I feel like I'm, I'm more like, um, less artistic. Like, okay, so I can look at a face and be like, okay, there's the line right there. I can draw that line right there. But it's all very like mechanical. When I see like an artist, they're like, I don't know. They just have like this. I don't know. I don't do arts for art's sake. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't have a, I couldn't do a picture and have it stand alone without my cartoons. Like you know what I'm saying? Girl, that
0: portrait you did of me is wild. Oh. Uh-huh. My mom cannot believe it. No one, no one that I show that to can believe how good it is you you're you're so talented thank you so much that's really sweet i can't i can't do that i have to like i have to trace so much and then then retrace and retrace and retrace and
1: uh uh-uh i no, i think i feel like you though you can you can like conceptually you can like um you can create like an artwork that stands alone as art like you can do the cartoon thing too But you can also just create an art piece, you know, that doesn't need to, like, have a clever cartoon or something. And I really respect that about you and other artists, because I don't really feel like I can do that. And and everybody's got their something, you know what I mean? I'm not talking shit on myself. I'm just saying, you know, this this is my little thing that I can do. (laughs) You're very talented. Thank
2: you. Your work
0: is so beautiful. And I love that you have a talent with watercolors, because my my paintings look like I did them with a foot. (laughs) I can only work in digital. (laughs) So what do you do with your art now? Um, Besides put it on Instagram like do you set times to do art or do you just do them when you have a chance or do you feel like you're kind of burnt out on art or
2: no you? so
1: all all of those things um you know basically i don't have any set time i'm not like okay you know i basically if if i have like an idea i uh-huh. will i'll draw it i'll draw it right then and i'll post it right then it's all oh, like really? real time oh, yeah. okay um but you know i go i go weeks without even touching a pencil like i'll I'll do I'll I'll do like I don't know I definitely don't have any sort of discipline attached to what I do it's basically like oh here's something I want to say and put out into the world let me draw a cartoon for it wow okay yeah but um I make no money I, I, I don't know how to hustle anything as far as like that kind of shit goes I I don't know I do it's a labor of love my Instagram
0: <laughs> that's amazing
1: um, but I uh I don't know I, I I just appreciate being able to um I don't know uh, have have a, a, a platform to find other like-minded people to you know discuss things to learn things I've learned way more on Instagram than I've ever than I've given back you know what I mean people there's so many brilliant fucking people on uh, on social media that are putting out so much incredible content and I've just I've learned and grown so fucking much just from just from that and I just hope that if I you know if I can give back just a teeny little bit of that mm-hmm. then That's a
0: good thing. Well, Don't sell yourself short. I mean, you do... What you do for um, teaching people about settler culture in Hawaii is really important. I mean, there is not a lot of young white artists talking about what you're talking about that I know of. I mean, in the art space is what I mean. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's really good because sometimes it takes art for it to get through people's skull what the fuck you're talking about.
1: I agree completely. Totally. Like, not everybody's going to sit down and read, you know, a medium think piece, but they'll read a two-second cartoon and be like, huh, I never thought of that.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah. It's just like, this piece I just put up the um yesterday of that black girl snorkeling through white tears. Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> I love it, it's so good. I mean, it's an old piece, but I just put it up again. So good. And it has yeah, no, three thousand likes, and I'm like, why the hell does it have three thousand likes right now? It's like, it. I love the first time I put it up; it had maybe two hundred likes, but right now it's like. Everyone's liking it. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, all yeah. of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's kind of gone mini-viral, I guess.
1: If, yeah. If is it, no, it's a weird time right now. Like, um, people people are receptive to things they weren't maybe six months ago. Right. So. Because of Black Lives Matter,
0: people are like, oh, I'm. I this is making sense to me. Exactly. And um, it's like. Now, all of a sudden, white tears are making sense to people, and it's like, oh, this is a good time for me to have posted this or have made this thing, and nope, the concept totally. of white tears are, like, actually being drawn is making sense to people. You can talk about white tears, and it doesn't make sense until you actually draw them.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes you just see something in art form, and it just, like, crystallizes the, the metaphor for you. hmm I mean. Okay. So
0: now I want to talk about you being a mom because, bitch, (laughs) I cannot believe that on top of everything else in Hawaii, when you tell, when you told me that you're living on a farm, wait, you live on a farm, right? On property. Yeah. Yeah. You live on farmland Mm -hmm. in like a little, little house. Well, yep, I call it a shack. A little shack, okay. I don't know if it's an actual house, but yeah. Is it, okay, it's a a one-room house. It's a structure, yep. Mm -hmm. It only has one room, correct? It's one
1: room,
0: yeah. Yeah, okay, a one-room house. Yeah. I'll call it that. A one-room house Mm -hmm. with your daughter. I'm Mm -hmm. like, what is this? What are you telling me, Andrea? Like, you're telling me about this, and I'm just like,
1: girl, what? I know. It seems so weird to people. I know.
0: Well, it just seems like it's so beyond the realm of, um, like, something that would even be on the mainland.
1: Does that yeah. make sense? No, I know. A lot of, so, now, that's, that's something that I didn't understand about Hawaii either before I moved here. So, every island is completely different. There's no one singular Hawaii. Right. And and the island that I'm on, Hawaii Island, um, some people call it the Big Island, but you really shouldn't. You should use its proper name, Hawaii Island, Mm -hmm. Um, out of respect to, you know, Hawaiians and their olelo, their language. And um, that's actually something I'd like to touch on. A lot of names have been renamed here, you know, make it more palatable for, for people that don't speak Hawaiian, you know what I mean? Like... Right. or Four Mile Beach. But these all have historical place names, and it's important to use the historical place names. So, mm. so the Big Island is not the Big Island. It's Hawaii Island. And um, anyway, it's much, much, much more rural than the other islands. Okay. So, there's lots, lots of people out here that don't have any access to, you know, electricity or Phone lines, or you know, we everybody uses water catchment. There's no water lines to any of these homes. um, Okay, it's just really off grid if you're out of the two little towns that are on Hawaii Island.
0: Okay, so what are the towns on Hawaii
1: Island? So the two major towns are Hilo on the east side and Kona on the west side. Okay, Um, yeah. That's, those are, those are the main two. And then, you know, there's other, there's other little towns throughout, but those are, those are the main two. Like, you're gonna fly into one or the other if you come to Hawaii. So I've heard about both of these.
0: You can fly into both of those places direct, or did you have to fly into Honolulu first when you um, first got there? So
1: I'm pretty sure you can fly into Kona direct, like from like California or whatever. But um if you're flying from like the east coast, I'm pretty
0: sure that you gotta go through uh Honolulu. Okay. Yeah. So you went to Honolulu. And yeah. then which is on which island? Oahu? Yeah. Oahu. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you're like, let me go check out the big island.
1: Um, so yeah. So I came to this island. I was camping on um on somebody's lot <clears throat> on the on the rainy side of the islands, mm-hmm. and then I found a uh, a little cafe on Kona side with a farm above it. So they let me live on the plat like it was just like a wooden platform on the farm, and then I would work at the little cafe.
0: Okay, and, um, sounds like there's a lot of like still a mentality there where you can kind of barter and trade, right?
1: Oh, totally. Like, when I say, like, this is so different from anything I've experienced on U.S. soil, like, it's just totally fucking different. The whole culture is just so different. Like, although this has been heavily colonized and there's fucking white people and white business everywhere, the Hawaiian culture is so fucking strong. Like, it... It is so present here. Like, Hawaiian culture is everywhere.
0: And is that... Would you say it's still that strong... Like, the the barter and culture... Barter and trade culture that is... What is the word I'm looking for? That is um, key... Key is not the right word. But is key to Hawaiian culture is um, on every island still, or is it more prevalent somewhere like Hawaii Island because it's more rural?
1: Now, I will say that I live, where I live, it's very local. I live on the local side of very local islands. Um, There's a lot of Native Hawaiians. Like I said, she goes to a Native Hawaiian school. So my my perception may be skewed a little bit because I am, you know, deep in local culture. Mm -hmm. But I would would say even on... Oahu, which is probably by far the most colonized of the islands. Right. Um, I would say that even there, the the culture of, of, of the people at large is just so different. Like people throw around the word aloha a lot and that right. becomes colonized and redefined by a bunch of white businesses and people too. but the spirit of Aloha, is very real and it's very real to everyone in hawaii
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, um and there's definitely a, a a sense of community out here that i've never experienced in the u.s
0: that's so beautiful
1: yeah it, it really is it really is I'm, I'm super grateful to have experienced um that that although you know, and it took me—it so, was so hard for me to get used to because I moved from Philly, and you know, to to protect yourself in Philly, you don't make eye contact, you don't talk. Well, to yeah, people. The fat,
0: oh, yeah, the fast-paced culture of the East Coast is like, are you kidding? Uh, I mean, it's that's considered like even I would say even the West Coast is more. Um, <sighs> Easygoing than the East Coast,
1: so. I, Definitely. So. Yeah. It was. It's the, like a culture shock. I came out here and like people were like, you know, they would smile and wave, and I would look away. You know what I mean? Like, what do they want from me? Like, you right, know what I mean? right, right. You just have your guard
0: up. Well, and, e- okay. East well, Coasters come to come to Seattle, and they're like, why are people so nice here? So I can't imagine what they would think if they go to, you know, Kona or oh. something like that.
1: Yeah. So it's it was it was really it, it, it was a really big adjustment for me, and um, honestly, out here there's there's such a sharing culture. So Hawaii, just a quick little historical thing: before colonization, Hawaii worked on a ahu puaa system, which was um, um, the land was divided into like pie slices, mm-hmm. and the people by the sea, Makai, would trade with the people. Um, You know, in the mountain land,
2: Mauka,
1: Mauka, Uh Mauka, and Makai. So they would support each other. You know, with the with the crops from the from the upland and the fish from the lowlands, and and that's the way it worked. Everybody supported each other and shared. And even though that's not, you know, now we have capitalism, obviously, here, right? Of bullshit. But of course, the the spirit of the ahupua'a system still. Rains. Um, people share food constantly. You, it's everybody's so giving. I, I mean, you can't. I've I've been gifted fruits and vegetables so many times. Where people are just people share their excess. People. It's just it's just a different vibe out here, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so, okay, so you get to the Big Island or hawaii island um was is what we call it um not the big island so we get to hawaii island mm-hmm. and um you settle on this farmland with the one room house is yes
1: this, this was after so um i was on farmland before and then so a little side note i i've, I've I have, like, sexual addiction issues, you know, that I've, I've dealt with my whole life. Oh, okay. Uh, but I've been celibate for the past, like, seven years. But anyway, that's that's the
0: whole side thing. Okay, well, congratulations.
1: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. In my sexual addiction, though, I was, like, so I was living on this farm. I was, I was like, you know, down in bottles of wine every fucking night. And um, oh, there was wow. some cook at the, a cook at the cafe. What kind of wine um, do you, like... Red. Oh,
0: girl, me too. Oof. Yes. But there's a special ty- tra- type of drunk when you drink red wine. That is like, ooh. Yes. Ooh, that's a special type of drunk. Anyway, go ahead, girl. So, you yes. were drinking bottles of
1: wine every night. Yeah. So, I started fucking the cook from this cafe. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, um, anyway, that's the, I got... Pregnant. Pregnant.
0: Yeah. That's what and happens. I, I
1: was like, I'm gonna have this fucking baby. So, um... How old were you? I guess I was 34
0: okay so when you're 34 it's kind of like it's it's a pretty big decision not to have the baby it's it's a smaller decision to have it almost you know it's like
1: no totally like okay so I had yeah I had um I had had an abortion when I was like when I was like 19 or something Uh uh-huh and then um, and then I hadn't been pregnant since then, you know, and then I got pregnant when I was 34 and I was like, you know, fuck it, this might be now or never. I don't think, because even today, I don't think I will ever find somebody that I want to cohabitate with. I've just right. never been able to find somebody that I've like, liked in, in a romantic way that I want to settle down with. It's just, I just, my whole life, I just cannot find someone. So I'm like, fuck it, I'm, if I'm going to have a baby, it's going to be by myself, I guess. So I was like, I'm going to have this baby. Mm-hmm.
2: So. Mm-hmm. So
1: I had the baby. So anyway, yeah, I'm I, I was I was I was living in a tent in a lava field off a beach. Okay. Uh, and um I I would I would get up, I would go shower at the beach shower and then I would walk down to the resort to go to work at this at this fancy restaurant that I got a job at, waitressing. Mhm. Wow. That was my pregnancy. It was awesome, bro. I was fucking on the beach every day. I was swimming in the ocean. It was it was a beautiful fucking pregnancy. I loved it. I remember,
0: and it was an easy pregnancy. I
1: easy, easy peasy. I, oh, I, thank God. It was it was wonderful. I, I was so lucky. I had no issues. I felt so good. I felt so fucking beautiful with my big ass belly. I was just I loved being pregnant. I fucking loved it. Great. Oh, my God. That's so good
0: that you had, like, an easy pregnancy, too, because, it, like, there's so many people don't. And then it's amazing that you're just, like, bam, you get pregnant and you're like, what? Like, angels come singing out yes. and you're just like, everything's good. It was. Mother
2: Earth. Yes.
0: Man, I felt like that. It was great. That's so beautiful. <laughs> so, you're living in a lava field. You're pregnant. You're having all of this great stuff. And then you have your baby mm-hmm. on the living room floor.
1: Yeah.
0: So. Um, I had, this is like something straight out of a handmaid's tail, bitch. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? What? You, you're. I'm shooketh. What do you mean? <laughs>
1: so, I had planned. Well, I, I was. So, when I was pregnant. Uh huh. Now, just a little backstory. I've had some traumatic experiences with doctors and hospitals. Okay. Me too. Um, so, yeah, I know you can relate. To yep. That. Yep. So, when I was pregnant. I was trying to find a doctor in a hospital to, you know, to take care of me. And, and I'm on Medicaid, so I didn't have a whole lot of choice.
0: Yes, right.
1: Um, and I was just being, like, re-traumatized by all these fucked up doctors who were saying fucked up shit to me and not, like, respecting my choices and what I wanted. And I was just, like, scared to death to give birth in a hospital because I've been in so many hospitals mm-hmm. um, involuntarily. Right. Where they just took control, where they were doing stuff to me without my consent, and I had, and I was, I I was terrified of of giving birth in that kind of situation where Uh I have no say, where I have no control, and they can do whatever the fuck they want to me. Uh huh. And I was, I was just terrified. I was like, I, I I can't do that. I'd sooner, I'd sooner fucking give birth by myself Mm -hmm. than them give birth in one of these fucking hospitals i tried the birthing centers i've gone everywhere you know trying to find something that was covered by my medicaid that i felt safe right right and um and i would like to add too that i'm a fucking i'm a fucking white woman you know what i mean right if i feel this kind of fucking fear i can't imagine how how black women feel being pregnant, especially on the mainland, with these fucked up racist doctors and institutions, is it's horrible. We need total total reform of the way we give birth. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, um, so anyway, I.
0: And was looking for and the way midwives. we treat mothers after birth. I'll say that absolutely, much. Yes.
1: Absolutely.
0: Absolutely.
1: Top the bottom, reform on that. Mm hmm. Um, Amen. So I was looking at these midwives and I was having meetings with all these midwives, and it's fucked up because, so this is, this is, again, Hawaii Islands, and all the midwives here are like these like affluent white
2: women. Oh,
1: God. And it's like, where are all the indigenous birth workers? Where, you know, that. They, yeah. they, women have learned their craft from. You know what I mean? It's like white women learned everything from, you know, indigenous and black people and then went around and and just took it. And now they're the ones making all the money off it. Right. So I don't know, it's fucked up. I couldn't, I couldn't find a single indigenous birth worker on the island of Hawaii. And, um, anyway, I did eventually find, um, I did find a midwife that was willing to take me with what I could pay, which was, Mm -hmm. I think I got. I got $1,000 together. And, wow, okay. And, um,
0: and I can't believe a th- it takes $1,000 to have a damn baby. That's a lot.
1: It, it's a lot, but their, their regular prices are like three grand and up. Oh, so, girl. Just Whoa. give me a fucking feel. But then you compare that to a hospital birth that's costing you like fucking 60 grand. Oh, no, no, no.
0: Can't believe how expensive it is.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's big fucking business. It's big business. Yes. And okay. So, so, and that's why there's such an assault on on home birth because it's a it's a lucrative business in the US and and they don't want to lose that. See, look, look
0: at this. I'm learning so much. Right? So,
1: mm-hmm. So I was like, I found this midwife who wasn't like, I, I didn't feel aligned with her. She was kind of like a hippy dippy spiritual white lady, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Which is fine. I'm a spiritual white lady. I have nothing wrong with that. But she (laughs) kind of like, she, uh, kind of like a spiritual bypassing kind of white lady. mm -hmm. Like like she didn't acknowledge her whiteness and her privileges and that kind of thing. So I didn't really, I wasn't really aligned with her, but I just, I wanted somebody there because I had never given birth before. I didn't, you know what I mean? Sure. So, I, so anyway, she came, she, she, she hooked, she hooked up like this, um, it's like inflatable pool in my living room and shit. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I just, uh, so my water broke in like the middle of the night and then, um. It was just, I went to Target, I was just walking around, trying to go about my day, and then I, it started getting really painful around 6 in the evening, so then I called the midwife and she came over, and, um, you know, the contractions got intense, and then by 11 o'clock, the baby was out, she just kind of, like, shot out like a fucking rocket when I got into the water.
0: And, um, what? So you didn't have any anesthesia, you didn't have any, nothing? Nothing.
1: No. And you know what? It's a, that, that's another fucking medical propaganda lie. They, they, do, they do that to keep women scared so they'll birth so they'll in the hospital. They're like, oh, it's so painful. It's the most painful shit you'll ever endure. You need, you, need these, you need these drugs. But you don't. Because when you're in it, so don't get me wrong, contractions fucking hurt. They rips through your body and you feel it. You're like, oh my God. But your body knows what it's doing bodies have been doing this for fucking thousands of years
0: oh i know
1: you get flooded you get flooded with other chemicals too so yeah you're feeling pain but also you're feeling like i don't know endorphins and different things like your body manages it like i'm not gonna say it doesn't hurt but it's nothing that you can't endure and i'm so glad that i did endure it because i don't know it was such a beautiful experience i felt so powerful and fucking... Girl, you are powerful. I can't even
0: imagine. You know, <sighs> do it though. I'm not I'm not special. Like, I don't have some special, like, I'm not like, you know, anybody could... No, know, no, no. I know, but, you know, I have chronic pain, so it, that... I, 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 mm-mm, mm-mm,
1: mm-mm. I'll tell you what, chronic chronic pain is, is worse than childbirth pain because, just because it's chronic, when you're in childbirth, you know that this is a moment in time. Right. Right you know that you will come through the other side of this. Right. So in that I, I think, you know, if you know that something will pass, anything is endurable. But <sighs> it's that it's when you don't know that something's gonna pass, when you don't know like, this might be forever. That's what's fucking hard.
0: Ooh, so, bless you, girl. That is, that's amazing. And now how old's your daughter?
1: Five? She's, she's going to turn six this month, yeah.
0: Oh, my Lord. Can you believe that? Can you believe that you uh, you you have a whole five-year-old?
1: No, girl, trippy as fuck out. I look at her little face sometimes. I'm like, holy fucking shit. It's my little baby. Oh, my like, God. No, it's a, it's a trip. It's a trip. And she's cool as shit, this kid. I'll tell you, she is cool as shit. Well, you really. Raised- <laughs> and uh, she's she's good. She's she's really um uh, she's so kind and compassionate and smart and she's uh she's you know a, a keeper of Hawaiian culture. She's you know she, she she reads Hawaiian. She's speaking Hawaiian. Um, really proud of the little human that she is.
0: Oh well, honey, you did all that, so you should be proud of yourself too.
1: I only facilitated. I gave. I gave the right conditions for her to flourish, and yeah, she's flourishing. So yeah, I'm proud of that. I'm really proud of my motherhood. Honestly, I, I feel like a lot, and that's another way too. I feel like all the moms, like I don't know, I feel judged by other moms. I'm definitely not a typical mom. You know what I mean? And um, so it's hard for me to find like other moms that I vibe with. Uh I think you're being
0: I don't know. Hard
1: I feel judged by like everybody in the world. I don't. I,
0: I don't know. I like, know you do. You shouldn't. You. I know you shouldn't feel that way.
2: nobody
0: likes me. I think you're incredible. I think you're um, incredible. So I wanted to ask you about um, the conspiracy theory about white people uh, not washing their legs.
1: Yes. Okay, well, I, I have a lot of thoughts
0: on that. Um, okay. So there is this, consir- this conspiracy theory on Black Twitter that white people do not wash their legs, and I believe it started when Ellen DeGeneres asked Taylor Swift, do you wash your legs? And Taylor Swift said, I shave my legs, and that is kind of like washing. Right. Okay, Black- I was wondering where from. That's interesting. Black Twitter ran with it and then did a poll... And white people at 40% said they did not wash their legs. Um, I have been polling my guests, and all of my white guests, we're now tracking, two-thirds of them do not wash their legs. Okay,
1: that's very interesting. Okay. So,
0: Andrea, do you wash your
1: legs? I I will say that (laughs) I do wash my legs. Okay, okay. Okay. But... But there, that comes with that comes with uh, a caveat. I, I I wash my legs because um I like I i just had oily skin my whole life. I've had acne problems and i get ingrown hairs on my legs okay shaving if i so i wash. I, I scrub those bitches with like an exfoliating scrub
0: okay here uh-huh. we go yes all right so
1: but i have you know i have a reason to do that like i said you know i get ingrown hair so i don't know i don't know if i would have washed my legs if not because i'll tell you culturally uh-huh. white. white White people aren't raised to wash like that. Like, I, my, my mom, she, she was never like, wash your feet, wash your legs. You know what I mean? Never, I, I don't know. I, I can't remember ever being specifically taught to, to wash like that. And I will say that I've dated enough fucking white people mm-hmm. to, to be able to confirm that most white people do not wash below their genitals. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like wash your legs, wash your feet, you know. I don't want her to be that white person. <laughs> so that, thank
0: you for confirming below the genitals, because if you have listened to the first episode of this podcast, what I it was with an interview with my um, my queer mom and best friend uh, Miss Andrew J, and they asked, "What are we considering legs?" and you just answered the question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And, and, and I said, I believe it's coochie down, and yeah, correct, coochie yeah. down,
1: so... <laughs> no, because, and I've asked, I've asked white people about this, too, and they're, they're like, well, the soap is running down your body, so it's getting clean, and I'm like, well, I don't know if it works like that. I mean, no,
0: it doesn't work like that. So, yeah. here's the additional question.
1: Do you, do, you, do you use a washcloth or a loofah? Okay, so... That, that, this is an interesting cultural difference that I've noticed since I was a kid when I, you know, sleep over at other people's houses. Uh huh. So no, we were we in my house we a white household. We were not raised with any kind of washcloth or, uh-huh. or, or anything for that matter we took the bar of soap and put it right on our damn skin i and,
0: know and, i know yeah. y'all do that because my fucking partner does it and i was shook
1: it's crazy right so now as an adult like once i got you know out of my mom's house and was doing my own shit i'm like this is fucking weird because there'll always be a random hair stuck on the soap and shit. it's just gross to- <laughs> it's gross <laughs> But anyway, so now yes, I absolutely use. I don't use a washcloth just because um, I don't know it gets funky in my shower. We got a mildew problem. But I do use um like a sponge thing, and I use those exfoliating shower gloves. Yes. Yes.
0: It makes sense to me. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. So definitely when when I um when I interact with um you know other white people about it, I try and. Have the benefits of using a sponge or a washcloth, yes. and
2: not just so yes. right on your body. It's so <laughs> gross. <throat. Like. laughs>
0: Yeah.
1: POCs love a washcloth.
0: So I am yeah. always, I am always, uh, I'm always sh- shocked about the, the soap to the body.
1: Um, no, it's so weird. It's so weird. Honestly, I feel like white people are like, um, are like dirtier because we never, um, like, I feel like indigenous cultures and, you know, uh, black people and anybody like connected to their original culture more than white people were,
2: like, mm-hmm.
1: you know what I mean? They they have a historical record of the necessity of cleanliness. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like white people, they started living in those weird castles and getting all stank and putting perfume on just to cover it and getting all fucking weird. I don't know, for like, and for like, hundreds of years white people have just been so fucking dirty and they don't have like the historical record to remember why it's important because we were the ones spreading the germs everywhere. I, we weren't the victims of the
0: germs. Yeah. And I think I think that there's also a white privilege in just being a dirty hippie kind of, you know?
2: Oh, totally.
0: Yeah. 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 Well Thank you for adding to my poll and for being one of the white people that's invited to the cookout, Andrea. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, Andrea, where can people find you
1: online? So, yeah, my Instagram is AndreaRussos, um, mm-hmm. just
2: my
1: name, um, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much my only online presence. I, I, I do Instagram sporadically. And I don't fuck with the DMs. I'm sorry, but you can email me if somebody wants to contact me about you know anything they want. Okay. I'm always down to to do um, to do artwork for any kind of nonprofit or you know worthwhile cause. Okay. Anybody needs some mediocre artwork for any of their righteous projects. Oh. <laughs>
0: some amazing artwork all right well andrea thank you so much for coming on the show i appreciate you so much i love you you're the best seriously the best
2: so much fun yeah
0: I'll let you get back to your kiddo, and I hope you have a great rest of your morning. Thank you for having breakfast with me. Yay, thank you, Tom. Love you. Let's do it again. Okay, absolutely. Bye. Bye. Andrea is the best. You can get her. Andrea is the best. You can get her at Andrea Russo, spelled A-N-D-R-E-A-R-O-U-S-S-O-S on Instagram and if you want to reach me you can always get me at the art sob on Instagram or email me at hello@theartsob.com. At Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you and I will talk to you all soon.